possibility, possibility, mother zero. The, yeah, possibility, possibility. Uh, I, I've never been a great fan of um, some of Gillan's lyrics, and um, this one stands out from the Black Sabbath album, which this fan-made documentary, rather good, on YouTube, not very long, which this documentary says is Black Sabbath's Marmite album. Yeah, I think that's about right. You've got Crusher Jewel on here talking about the cover, which is the very garish um, blue and red um, sort of baby. Um, he says it, but that was a, a sort of management political thing between Don and Sharon Arden and all of that. And just the idea of Ian Gillen joining Black Sabbath and then recruiting Bev Bevan ELO's Bev Bevan powerful drummer yeah but it just seemed ridiculous and I remember it at the time because I'm so old now there's great stories around this it just didn't work and um, the stories around uh, I mean in this documentary what we do see are you know the, there's a little bit of uh, Black Sabbath and you've got a um, you've got graphics around Ozzy and uh, Ronnie and they talk about um, there's a bit of Rock Family Trees quite a lot of stuff patched together on this fan made documentary but you know that's fair enough and John Peel doing the Rock Family Trees seems odd to hear John, John Peel talking about Black Sabbath really but anyway they, talk, they um, specifically talk about Ronnie leaving the first time because he's back for the superb Dehumanizer album a few years down the line. This is about 83. 19, in fact, it is 1983. But they talk about him leaving around the time of Live Evil, which, of course, meant that they needed a new vocalist. And we look at um, Deep Purple and uh, Gillen leaving at that time and doing the interview where he says, you know, it seemed very formulaic and we wanted to go elsewhere. Nothing about the about the Ian Gillen band or Gillen, although John McCoy is, is interviewed saying... This is the, the, it's the worst Black Sabbath album. And then cut immediately to Ian Gillen saying, I, I really like this album. <laughs> That's quite nice, you know. Really, really nice. And so you get, it's the worst Black Sabbath, the worst album Black Sabbath ever did. There's a lot of good stuff on there, says Gillen. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a good story. You need a good story for a documentary. It, it, I mean, you, you do. And this is a good story. And the story of them getting drunk, you know, it, um, Tony Iommi calling Ian Gillen saying, fancy, fancy a drink, and then getting drunk, and then the day after, um, Ian Gillen being, being called by his manager and saying, if you're going to make a big career decision, please do inform me. What do you mean? Well, you've joined Black Sabbath, but it wasn't supposed to be Black Sabbath. It was supposed to be the three of them and Bill Ward, who they who apparently, according to this documentary, Tony Iommi rang, he was in rehab, and he said he's not finished rehab yet, and he convinced him to come and do the album. First album, clean and sober, he said. Bill Ward, more of that, more of this in a minute, but he's interviewed and, you know, he's got nothing to hide, Bill Ward, he's had a terrible time, and he's really lovely just to, when he's interviewed, to be honest. But anyway, it was supposed to be those people, and not Black Sabbath, but of course when they'd done the album, uh, according to Geezer, the contracts came out from the label and they said, it's Black Sabbath and you're doing it, you contracted to it, and there it is. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, 
there's there's lots of footage here, which is lovely, and it's quick cutting, so you get just get things like Gillan saying, "I was the worst singer Black Sabbath ever had." You get footage of them of them doing the songs live, which is a bit grainy. You've got Zero the Hero out there um, being shown, and then um, Joe Elliott a couple of times being interviewed saying, "Well, you know, he's, he, that kind of." Uh, Gillen's voice is too subtle for the heavy backing, and it was a heavy album. And also saying we were on tour in America at the time, and they, we got the cassette. They put it on in the car. By the time when Zero the Hero got, got uh, you know, came round, we started to listen to it. The tape was ejected, and it went out the window. Oh dear! You've got people like Malcolm Dome here, um, and they talk about, um, you know, they talk about Stonehenge. You know the. Uh, then wanted to get that, you know, and this might be a Spinal Tap moment, it probably isn't, because it's the year after, isn't it? But um, people do attribute it, that they wanted the Stonehenge Monument there, and, you know, as, as Ian Gillen said, how do you, because Geezer had said Stonehenge, and Ian said, how do you um, how do you envisage this? Well, life-size, of course, and of course when they got it, it was too big to get in most of the, most of the, um, the sets, and then there's the, there's the gentleman uh, playing the kind of baby from the from the cover, you've got that story. But my favourite, I think, is um, Ian talking about the lyrics just not going in, and him coming up with the idea that um, and the and, and the lyrics not going in because it's not got a story, it doesn't follow. It's Ozzy writes lyrics in a certain way, and they're the lyrics that didn't go in. And so he thought he would put the put the lyrics in a loose loose leaf, a loose leaf, a loose leaf binder, and turn the pages with his feet which he practiced with practiced in his kitchen and he could do it what he didn't realise was because he had the loose leaf at the, at, the, at the front of the stage there was going to be dry ice and it was too quick for him he said I took a step to try and get on took, I, I took a bit of a hop to try and get on quicker and, it, and the dry ice was quicker than me and <laughs> he couldn't see it he had to keep, he had to keep kneeling down to see the work that's extraordinary these are extraordinary stories and very Good to talk about them now. I think, you know, I've tried to like this album several times. I didn't like it when it first came out. I like Trashed, first track up. Um, I don't think I like much else. Disturbing the Priest is alright. A song which they, um, which Gillen wrote the lyrics for because there was a local priest. They were at, um, they were, they were at Richard Branson, Virgin um, Studio. What's it called? Is it called The Priory? No, that's, that's something else entirely, isn't it, Steve? What's it called? I saw an XTC documentary there. Anyway, a priest arrived and said, you know, it's a bit too loud for us and we have choir practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Could you, at a certain time, could you just not play at that time because it's hard for us to pitch? So they came to an agreement, but he wrote Disturbing the Priest, which got them um, thrown out of Mexico, I think they said, at one point, um, because it was thought that they were um, sort of devil worship type, a devil worship situation, which is, which is bedeviled, ha-ha, Black Sabbath throughout their career. It's, it's a really good story, this. I'd love to hear it again. Um, Beth Bevan on drums. I can't quite... Because um, Bill got through the the um, the recording of the album. As he said, only album he ever did, Clean and Sober. But then there was going to be a tour coming up and without Ozzy and all of that. And he was worried and he couldn't tell anybody. And he started to drink again. Tony Omi says, I had a plaque made because um, it was six months that... Um, that Bill Ward was was clean and sober, you know, he was 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 free from drink and he was sober and came round to his house to give him the plaque and he was drunk. 
It's just, I mean, it's a terrible situation, but it's an extraordinary story, isn't it? And, um, yeah, there's a moment where, um, because they included smoke on the water in the set, and the narrator implies the fans weren't very happy. We see the footage, sounds good, actually, even though it's a bit regimented because it's Black Sabbath, um, but the crowd are singing it, so they don't sound like they're really cheesed off or anything. And there's talk of Ian's voice going when... Um, there's talk of him. Uh, there's a, a footage of an interview that Ian did about you know you were told to take a year off and you didn't. What's happened because of your voice? And he said, well, I only needed six months really. Get nodules on your vocal cords, like having blisters. And when you get blisters on your blisters, that's the problem. And I haven't got blisters on my blisters anymore. But um, Ian, but uh, Tony Iommi mentions that they had arranged for Ian to go and have an operation. He didn't and got through the singing in the studio. But when they were out on tour, the voice was a problem. Um, or became a problem. It's, it's it's packed full of stuff. There's fun stuff, actually. Really well cut, so you get these headlines all the time. And um, it is an album which some people love, some people dislike. It is a Marmite-type album. I can't get into it. I've tried, but I really can't. And I think it's just... It's an extraordinary story, though. And even at the time, when reading about it in Kerrang, I couldn't believe it. I still can't. But I tell you what... Good to see it again. Zero the hero. Ta-ta.